Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today with me, I have Dr. Brandon Roberts, the Chief Science Officer of Tailored Coaching Method. What you're about to hear is this week's research review. Every single week, we're going to bring you a short 10 to 20 minute podcast breaking down one specific topic diving into all the research and teaching as much as possible and giving you application takeaways to use this for a science-based approach. So stay tuned and get ready for this week's research review. All right, so today's research review is all about carbohydrates and insulin. I'm really excited about this one because I think that it has been uh, kind of used as a uh, almost like propaganda or like a fear-mongering tactic and and really a lot of the marketing behind low-carb diets, keto, fasting, those kind of things, which... There's a time and place for all of them, so there's nothing against those methods, but this is some of the marketing that has fueled those areas or people, quote-unquote, within the industry, um, and not always for the right reason, in my opinion. So uh, the, the study we're going to dive into is called Carbohydrate Insulin Model, a Physiological Perspective on the Obesity Epidemic, um, and as Brandon's going to get into, it's not necessarily a research study, but more of, uh, you can correct me on this, an interpretation or these authors gathering all the different research on this topic and, and kind of like an article or, or experiment on it. Uh, but essentially, we're answering, you know, what is the Carbohydrate Insulin Model? and how does it actually contribute to the obesity pandemic if it does? So, uh, Brandon, take it away. Okay, so yeah, uh, this is a perspective, which is basically like an opinion piece um, in academia. Uh, it's nice to see on this article, you have everyone, like the big wigs, the big shots, you have Ebeling, you have Ludwig, you have Taubes, um, and all of their associated um, kind of group showing why they think or explaining why the carbohydrate insulin model is like real, like that they try um, listing a lot of studies. And then they actually take it a step further and they have a supplemental file where they actually describe what experiments, which is cool for scientists, um, they're probably going to do. They like, they're like, Hey, we should do these studies next, which means they're going to do them um, to figure out like, is this a thing or not? Um, so basically the CIM model, so I'm just going to shorten it states that increasing fat like in your body results from a hormonal response to a high glycemic glycemic load diet, right? So glycemic load, think carbs, high glycemic load, think lots of carbs. Um, and that drives this positive energy balance that results in obesity, overeating, things like that. Um, so what kind of happens or what they propose without getting too deep is you eat say a muffin that's great like a a low fat high carb muffin Um, this raises insulin right so your body's shuttling these glucose molecules that that you just ate into your you know different compartments your liver heart uh, kind of your muscles and your fat if you have extra Um, and it suppresses glucagon which is a hormone another hormone so insulin and glucagon are hormone hormones. And then there's another hormone called GIP. Um, and I won't even say the whole thing, but GIP and GLP are responses to carbohydrate and food intake. And so what they say, these researchers say happens is you eat high carbs, you spike insulin and some of these other hormones. And then about three hours later, you crash and your body panics right? It overreacts and it drives you to eat again. Um, so it's this like 
up and down type movement that your body is, they call it, they even kind of mentioned starvation mode, where every three to four hours after a big carbohydrate meal, your body's like, oh no, I need to eat, increase in the hunger hormones, and then you eat again. Um, so there's also some, they say this is driven by like that process I just described, is driven by uh, dysregulation on adipose tissue. So your adipose tissue can't release fatty acids and it can't hold them as well. And it, this is all kind of underlying the positive energy balance that you have when you gain weight. Okay. So that's the, the model. It's actually super complex. People, most people oversimplify it by like leaps and bounds. Um, that was as simple as I would probably put it for you to fully understand it. Um, so I'll pause there, see if I lost anything. No, I think, uh, I mean, so far so good. I think that, uh, the problem with this is that it can confuse people because there is a mm. lot going on. And when people use big words and talk in these fancy terms, it makes it seem like this is for sure the thing. And, and I mean, like you said, there's processes and in, in causations of hormones that are in fact true, right? Um, but it doesn't always mean that the endpoint is what they're claiming it to be. And I think that's the big problem, right, is, is insulin the problem? Because um, number one, insulin does many different things. So it's not necessarily just a bad thing. In fact, it's probably a good thing for a lot of reasons. Number two, um, are we talking about the everyday person? Or are we talking about somebody who's already obese? And I'm sure you're going to get into that. And insulin may very well be an issue for somebody who is already obese, but insulin may be actually a very beneficial thing for somebody who's lean and wants to stay lean, you know, so we can, you know, and I don't recommend this, but there's a reason bodybuilders sometimes inject insulin, right? Like, um, obviously I don't, I don't understand that aspect of world enough because we don't really train drug tested people, uh, or I mean, uh, drug using, uh, competitors and such, but it's a fact like pro Olympia bodybuilders use insulin. Like why would they be injecting this into them if it makes them heavier, you know, and fatter and less likely to compete? Um, so I think there's just, there's just a lot of context that we have to almost like go over to better understand. It's even kind of like, the, it reminds me of the inflammation topic, right? Like people say like carbs are inflammatory. Well, if you really look at a lot of research, um, and, I, and I'm not super well versed in this, but I know enough that fat can cause inflammation. Protein can cause inflammation. Calories consumed can cause an inflammatory response in the body. It's just your body doing what it does, right? Same reason like food sensitivity tests are also come kind of stupid because they trigger a response of an enzyme that is probably triggered just from you eating the food. And then if it's triggered, it's just triggered. It doesn't mean that you're sensitive or allergic to that food. And I think that caused a lot of people to cut out all these foods in their diet. So the point I'm getting at is that people can see a trigger or a response or, or a, a thing happening physiologically, and they can take it down a path to promote something. And it doesn't explain the whole mechanism as to why it doesn't matter. There's a lot of things in the body that probably cancel each other out and fix balance things. Right. So, uh, but I'll stop. I'll let you kind of get back into it and explain a little bit what I'm saying, uh, in more detail. Yeah. So I think the, the best way to think about this <clears throat> is, um, to compare it to the other model. So you have the energy balance model, calories in calories out, Seco, you've heard it. Kevin Hall, um, basically everybody who's not in on that paper, <laughs> um, kind of, and well, not everybody, but most of the researchers, they, they haven't put out a position stand quite or perspective quite like that. Um, but there's been some, some subtle attempts. So basically the energy balance model says that, Hey, calories matter. Um, now they do have some overlap. Um, so both, so they're both theories or technically models. Um, they both kind of suggest 
good food quality. So they want you to stay away from the high carb, high palatable, high fat foods, right? So they have that in common and that's good. That's what we coach, right? You want to eat whole foods. You want, you can have stuff occasionally, but like you don't want your diet to be fast food and uh, super ridiculous palatable foods. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when I was reading this perspective, I was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. The, the main difference is the hormonal component where the CIM model says it's, it's the hormones, right? And the energy balance model says, no, 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 it's the calories. Um, and there's a couple, there's more than a couple studies, um, but there's been enough studies, I would say, to when you want a diet that really inter- energy balance is key. So if you want to reduce carbs, you want to reduce fat, it doesn't really matter. Um, and that's kind of where a lot of studies have gone to debunk this is saying, hey, we can lose fat on either carb, high carb, low carb, it doesn't matter. Like carbs don't matter. Um, and that's like, that is very much true. There are like dozens of studies. And so people would say, okay, it's debunked. Uh, what I think some people miss is we're actually talking about the opposite um, because we're talking about gaining weight and there's not as many studies um, I like, I, I don't really like their model, but on the obstinate, there's not as many studies to say, Hey, um, we need to overfeed people with high carbs or high fat and kind of figure it out over long-term what's happening. Um, so, so, you know, there's definitely some gaps in literature, but I think for the most part, people kind of have used this CIM model to say carbs are bad and that's not true. Um, but you know, there are some other areas where they kind of overlap a little bit and we have to be careful when we overgeneralize sometimes. Yeah. That's, uh, it's, I never thought of it from that perspective because I'm always thinking in the terms of weight loss with it. So that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a good outlook on it. Um, oftentimes I refer to, uh, it's not even a study. I don't believe technically it's the rice experiment. I think it was like Dr. Watkins or Waltons or something like that. Um, <laughs> But essentially, they fed people like 80% carbohydrates or like 90% or something like that. And they had like just rice, a little bit of fruit juice for nutrients. And then I think it was like less than 5% protein. Like very, very low. But the point is that on average, there was 160-pound weight loss. These were obese, obese individuals, obviously, if the average was 160. But all their blood markers improved. So it just goes to show that we can lower insulin with a high-carb diet if we're in a calorie deficit losing weight. You know, And I think that's where it kind of debunks it on top of that too. Cause this makes it seem like carbs don't allow you to lose weight. And that's where I'm like, really want people to understand that, especially I'm a higher, I'm a fan of a higher carb approach because a lot of our clients are training really hard too. However, if you like low carb lifestyle, that's fine. But the point is it's, it is the calories that matter most. And it's, it's, I think for people listening who don't know all the names you dropped at the very beginning, um, it would be similar to a, uh, a group of five professional powerlifters who hate bodybuilding coming out with a research study on why powerlifting is better than bodybuilding, right? Like this, it's just, it's, it's confirmation bias. You know what I mean? It's, it's confirmation bias. It's a bunch of people who dig up any research they can and interpret it in their own biased way to, to, to try to like convince people not to do bodybuilding because powerlifting is better. When in reality, it's like, well, resistance training is what's good. So like do what you love most, right? In this case, weight loss and management is good. Use the form that you need in order to get to where you want to be and you're going to be fine. Yeah, and I think that's a good example. Um, I think a lot of people get mixed up with, like when you start looking at animal studies on some of this stuff, they don't always translate, like some of them do, but a lot, if you read the perspective, a lot of it is from animal studies. Um, A lot of it is from, 
people with type one or two diabetes, right? Mm. When you start taking insulin and you have diabetes, you generally gain weight. So that says, oh, that's insulin's bad, right? And so it's kind of like these breadcrumbs across a bunch of different studies that you're like, well, I mean, you know, I read it and I was like, okay, some of this makes sense. And then it's a little deeper. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. And then you read the counter, the counter theories and you're like, well, no, never mind. That doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you kind of have the, the take home where just pick a diet that you can follow. If that's low carb, low fat, whatever you want to do. Um, if you have performance, uh, outcomes or things you want to do also be cognizant of that. Like the bodybuilders, the CrossFit athletes, they're going to want to go high carb. Um, and just kind of figure out what works best. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I would agree hundred percent. I think that, uh, the, the big take home I want people to know personally is that just insulin isn't this super negative thing. It's kind of similar to the whole P ratio thing that happened, you know, Mm. um, and where, and this is where, like, I think the result of a study matters, but also the context behind the participants, the environment, all those things matters a lot too, because I know a lot of those, uh, the information they were pulling to, uh, because I, I interviewed Eric Trexler on it, so like to be against his opinion, which is that this doesn't really matter that much. Uh, some of the research study was done on anorexic individuals. This is where it's like, okay, how practical is that from a, a, a global perspective? Yes, like it's good research because anorexic people need help and they need guidance, we need knowledge there. But at the same time, we can't apply that to somebody who is 50 pounds overweight and just trying to figure out how to like recomp, you know, like it's just, they're different scenarios. So, um, my big takeaway is very similar to yours. Uh, there's nothing wrong with insulin per se or carbohydrates per se. It's all contextual. So there are people who need to be aware of insulin. There are times where, uh, managing insulin sensitivity is important, but there's a lot of times where it's not. Um, and I like to make that clear because I know you were probably similar. I mean, once upon a time, like optimizing insulin sensitivity was the most important thing. Like screw calories in versus calories out. Like we were <laughs> doing everything to optimize insulin sensitivity. And then you realize like, oh, that doesn't really, I mean, it was exciting to feel like you're doing something science-based, but it doesn't really matter yeah. much. So um, don't let them fear monger you. Uh, it's, it's, it's marketed that way for a reason because a lot of these people have things to sell, books, things like that. Um, uh, but a lot of it can be debunked. Um, do you have anything to add to that before we sign this one off? No, I think we're good. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Well, as always, if you have a research topic you want us to dive into, click the link in the description of this podcast that says Ask Boom Boom. You can ask us anything and we will dive into the research and we will bring it to you next time. Yeah.